Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This is another podcast from the BFI Network, and I'm Matimba Kabalika. After noticing a distinct lack of submissions from female filmmakers in the postroom, I gathered together a group of women to discuss the challenges facing emerging female talent and how to take risks in the film industry. So we're all here today at BFI Stephen Street to talk about women in film over cake, because we're going to have our cake and eat it too today. My name is Simran Hans. I'm a freelance film journalist and also I produce and programme a feminist film festival Bechdel Test Fest, you may have heard of it. And we have amassed four other very talented ladies today who I'm going to ask to introduce themselves in clockwise order. That's me, okay. Um, I'm Matimba Kabalika and I work across the BFI network. I'm the talent coordinator and content editor. I'm Ivana McKinnon, I'm a producer with my own production company called Stray Bear Films. Uh, we did a film called Warbook a couple of years ago, and our next film, Beast, is being shot this summer. Hi, my name's Bolo Baje. I'm a playwright and a screenwriter, and um, my first feature film um, was called Gone Too Far, which was um, backed by the BFI, so, yeah. Um, and my name's Caroline Bartleet. Um, I wrote and directed Operator, which won the BAFTA for British Short Film this year, and um, I'm also doing a producing MA at NFTS. Great. So um, this whole thing started when Matimba and I were sitting down, having a coffee, talking about women in film, and she confessed to me that uh, the post room, which is an area of the BFI Network's website where filmmakers can and screenwriters as well can submit their work for review by producers and executives and people who might be able to help them and give them money. Um, she said that she was reviewing the submissions, trying to pick out the post room pick of the week. And then all of a sudden she realised that there were no women. Or to be more specific, there were 9% of women? Yeah. Um, would you like to tell us a little bit more about that, Matimba? Yeah, so the Postream or the network website launched last June. Um, and the whole idea behind it, as you say, is the kind of the soft part of what the network does. Obviously, the other part of it is there's three million pounds of funding a year. It's like my elevator pitch. Three million pounds of funding a year across the UK. So we obviously partner with Creative England, Scottish Film Talent Network, Northern Ireland Screened. Could you know network, Net- new and emerging talent? Yeah. Get it? No one, no, no one ever gets that. Uh, and Film London, and I'm sure I've missed that Film Cymru Wells. Um, so yeah, apart from that very direct funding, we'd launched the post room, which was that it was kind of going, okay, let's, we want to engage with people who might not have gone through funding, who might have done stuff themselves, let's see what's out there. 
And yeah, all we were getting is pretty much submissions from men. And I was, I kind of was a bit clueless as to why. So can you tell us a little bit more for people who aren't familiar with the website, what the setup is? So, you know, if you wanted to submit a script or a short film, mm-hmm. do you, you know, what kind of information do you have to provide? So you go on and you create a profile a bit similar to Facebook, it takes a couple of minutes, it will ask you for your name, your location, and you know, what your role is, so writer, director, or producer, and you can upload one short film up to which is up to half an hour long and a script which can be a feature or short and with a feature we say we'll read up to 20 pages um and with a short we'll you know look at them all and it's all those execs who work across the network who look at stuff and so the idea behind it is that you can submit i mean we have people who've got um accounts for people who may have been funded in you know years ago having done a short and they just kind of want to submit and be like hi guys I'm still around this is what I'm up to or people who've never engaged with us have kind of just gone out because lots of people do stuff by themselves we don't do obviously we don't even nearly do anything you know you you did your short on your own so it's all that kind of stuff it's just another way to engage so yeah um can I just ask where people hear about it so a lot of stuff is that we've done big marketing pushes so that's a lot down to comms and stuff I should get where they get it from but we do lots through social media and through Facebook and stuff like that but even with Facebook interestingly enough we did a massive push through Facebook and we got about 300 switches over the weekend and 90% of those were from male filmmakers mm. so which was part of the reason of us all getting together because then I was talking to Simran and going I think we just need to be really specific about doing more focused marketing. I mean, I wonder if that's a Facebook algorithm issue that it just assumes that a certain percentage of people who have liked the network's page are men. I don't know. Well, I don't really we, know. Because we've got Sprout recently. Sorry, this is this is like the nerdy side. So we're What's getting into Sprout? like where you can analyse the who data is, or who's on your page. Exactly. Yeah. And oh, we've God. got 45% female mm. followers. Mm. So actually, even if you were thinking, okay, let's look at the makeup of who we're talking to, even if you're talking into a vacuum, that vacuum of 45% are women. Mm. So that 9% still doesn't add up, even though we still got a long way to go in terms of how we market it and stuff like that. But half the people that we're speaking to, assuming that even just Twitter was our limited pool, mm-hmm. nearly half that are female is our women. So say the three of you had been on Facebook and had seen this advert pop up, what would you have thought? Would you have submitted to it? Um, Is that kind of the thing that you think you'd benefit from, from your different sort of perspectives? Yeah, for me, I mean, personally, I started off my career by by submitting, um, so I did the Young Writers Programme at the Royal Court Theatre, and that was when I did it in 2006. That was literally someone going, you could just sign up and come down and be a part of the course. So for me, I like entering things like this because it's a way of, it's an opportunity, and I don't, you know, it's a way of getting into something. But what I do find with other females is that, um, or other people that I know, other filmmakers who are female just starting out, especially because I mentor a lot of young people, um, they feel they have to see someone else do it before they do it. So, And that happened with the Royal Court, actually, that my year and then the year after, more female playwrights came out and were coming to these courses because they could see that there was a way 
that you know other people had made it through that course so they were going okay well actually I can give this a go because I can see that and I think with the networks it's it's that and with film it really is that the more female um, producers writers directors that people see the more other female go oh actually you know what I can do that and I, I can get somewhere far with it I also think it's really interesting what you said about how you you put that out on Facebook and then after the weekend that's how many people just come back to you I can't remember the exact figure now 300 or something but do, I think that's such a like male thing of I'll just send it straight away whereas yes. all the girls I know women I should say are like I'm going to work on it I'm going to yeah. make it really really good and that's then a I'm huge difference yeah I think there's there's a I think that's partly a kind of thing that is ingrained in us as yeah. women that kind of we've got to really kind of like make sure that we put in our best foot forwards that something's perfect but I think it's also something that's specific to the film industry because mm -hmm. I think that female directors feel a real burden upon them to be um, incredibly competent to be able to manage a set to do all the things that they fear that men think they can't do. So they don't want to put anything out there that is in any way sketchy, mm -hmm. even if it's got absolute vision and voice. Yeah. They don't want to put anything out there that can make anyone point at it and go, oh, she really doesn't know how to manage her production designer. Mm. Because we're really, really afraid of that. We, I say, I'm not a director. But I think female directors are. And I think, actually, we've got to put ourselves out there and kind of take a lead from the fact that there are people who have made their first film yeah. and if you look at their shorts you're like there's some really sketchy stuff in that short <laughs> yeah. but there's a real voice there and that's why they got to make their first film but it's so important because I think I you know have been doing quite a few Q&A's and panels recently where you meet somebody after and especially women they'll say oh so you're a director go, well I wouldn't I've made a yeah, film but, but I wouldn't yeah. say that I'm like no you're a, di you're a director but then. it took me years to say that I was a writer and it is that sense of going you want to claim something once you feel that you're competent in it yeah. because you don't want to say I'm a writer and then people go okay what have you done and you're going oh I just wrote one play or I just done this or I just done that someone said once to me that men apply for jobs that they're not yeah. qualified for and women don't even apply for jobs that they're yeah. overqualified for. Yeah. Like, we still go, oh, I don't know if I can do that job, I'm it's not ridiculous. sure if that's for me. Yeah. I yeah. heard then that they negotiate same pay rise yeah. before and like, they've got yeah, the job. They got yeah. the job. <laughs> Literally, yeah. Just even just where I am in my own career, like, I'm, I'm not going to be grateful for an opportunity anymore. And I know that sounds kind of like, it's not a... But it's a thing <laughs> of going... doing a little, like, no. punch of the air. <laughs> but, no, but it's that thing of going... And I don't mean it in a cocky way to go, like, I, I, like as a writer, I'm still learning and there's things that I'm still going to, you know, I'm improving on. But the idea that someone's given me an opportunity and I should be so grateful for it and I should be like, oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. I think women do that a lot yeah. and men don't. So right. And that's a big difference that women go, oh my God, I've been given this amazing opportunity and I've got to be grateful and I've got to be the best and, and I've, I've got, got to do it perfectly. And I've got to do it yeah. perfectly. And it's interesting that you're all kind of in agreement for, uh, for sort of the reason why you think that people aren't submitting. And it seems to be this kind of internalized very female feeling of not being good enough and you know it doesn't matter whether you're a writer director filmmaker producer or whether you don't even work in film like, I think a lot of women experience that but I wonder if that's sort of you know letting the institutions off the hook too much and you know you know this is a BFI podcast <laughs> I'm not trying to shade anyone here but what I mean is it can't all be about women not feeling like they're not good enough or not feeling confident enough. No, but that I think that self-censorship is a reaction to the way women, certainly directors, have been talked about in the film industry, mm -hmm. both in terms of, until very recently, the way they were talked about in the media, but also the way they're talked about in all our personal experience in rooms of people who are putting women on lists and going, oh, she's a bit difficult. 
Like yeah. every male yeah. director on that list is difficult. Yeah. Why is she? Yeah, why is she the one to say yeah. she's yeah. a bit difficult? You yeah. know. Yeah. So I think difficult it, is such when a I talk about that self censorship. It's I think it is a reflection of something that has been internalized because it's also in the industry. You were at the James Ellison, like, weren't you? Yeah, it was. Yeah, you remember yeah, that yeah. fascinating thing she said about forensic psychology? Yes. So she said that, um, I can't, I won't know the stats, but she said that the so number of... This was at the Gina Davis Institute um, sort of gender summit that they did in partnership with women in film and television at the London Film Festival last year. Oh, wow, year. look at you knowing that. Was like, <laughs> I was like, Chad, I was just going to add that, yeah, Destiny was on the panel. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah. it was a sort of whole day of talks and presentations, um, and it, it was a big thing. A lot of research had been done by the Gina Davis Institute, um, Destiny Carragher was on the panel, and um, the anecdote yeah, about you, forensic. You would probably know, remember it better than me. Then, do you remember what the actual stats were? Uh, no, I have a terrible memory for numbers. Me too. <laughs> me too. <laughs> it was what well, it was about. It was about kind of um, CSI and American TV shows, and how oh, they about always 17% have these female. Yeah, so seventeen percent across the board, and kind of like boards in terms of um, in terms representation, of women, kind of, really. in terms of representation. Yeah. And 17% was the number, the, the sort of percentage of forensic psychologists until CSI came onto our screens. And they always have female forensic psychologists. They just, they, for some reason, they think it's sexy to have women in dead bodies, I don't know. <laughs> and after a few years, they looked at the stats and the number of women who had gone into gone that, that job, job was, I mean, it was like no. something like 17% yeah. to 35%. It was absolutely massive. And it's because they saw themselves on screen and they thought, yeah. that's yeah. a job that I can do as a woman. Yeah, that's amazing. And it's so specific. You're like, wow, that. Yeah, but it is about representation, isn't yeah. it? It's about. It's not visibility as well. Yeah, it is, yeah. So I definitely think it's not about letting institutions, well, off the hook, it's not about that, because I think we have a massive responsibility, and I think there's a huge part of that. In terms of, I I can't speak about other places, but in terms of the BFI, the way that we work is that you, obviously we're not commissioning, so you're responding to an application. Mm-hmm. So I can't just be like, swing open all the doors here. No, all, all you can say is encourage. But that doesn't mean that you shouldn't, that there's not a responsibility on us to lead. Yeah, and like, you know, I guess it kind of goes with what Bola was saying about how you need to be able to see people. So there needs to be women who are submitting to this so other women will have a knock-on effect. But I wonder what you think that the network or kind of women who are associated with the network might be able to do to kind of make it more visible. Um, as a place for women. But it's things like this though, isn't it? Because we're all a part of this and we're all going to share this and someone's going to see this and go, oh, wait a minute, so I should apply for that. And I speak to so many young people who have that sense. There's so many young people that I know that make short films and they don't, they do it all on their own. They don't ever come to organisations like this and go, by the way, I've got this idea. Is there any way you can help me? Even just to get advice, they don't. And so I don't know how you improve that. A lot of the time when we talk about kind of diversity in all its forms, I come back to this thing about um, people, and I think this, this relates to your point, the institution's been quite scary and big and sort of difficult to mm, access. Yeah. And people not feeling like they're, they, like it's serious, like it can ever really result in anything tangible. Like mm-hmm. there might be meetings and there might be a scheme or something like that, but it never actually results in anything tangible. Mm-hmm. And um, I've come back quite a lot to the idea of trying to pay people very small amounts of money early in their career so that they get paid, so that they're like, someone's paid me £100. I mean, it's not going to last me more than about four days in London, but they've paid me £100. They think that I'm good. I'm real. It might be something. And mentoring, I think, is part of that. If you get someone who goes, I'm going to give you my time for no money, you're like, oh, this person thinks I'm worth something. I'm really worth their time. Um, And therefore... 
this is real. This is not just lots of people who are getting paid talking in rooms about like things that they want to do. This is actually something that's tangibly going to result in something, potentially me making a film at some point in my life. Um, I think that's really important. And I think, uh, I think for groups who don't have an internal self-confidence about I am the person who the world has always been talking to. Groups, I'm going also to... known as not white men. <laughs> I, I am going to make my film because this is what I've been born to do and the world is going to somehow support me in that. Even if it looks hard now, I'm going to get there, you know. Yeah. Then having someone early on go, either time or money is being put into you as a resource is really, really crucial. And I think mentoring is a really good way of doing that and also can kind of create relationships that last for years and years and years. I mean, I do quite a lot of mentoring um, through few programs, one called Network, with which Kate Leeds runs, and pretty much everyone I've mentored I'm still in contact with, which means basically I have 16 people. It's run by who, sorry? Kate Leeds, who's okay. a really brilliant script editor. Um, so so I have these people who can kind of call me up at any time for advice. And uh, and Kate's actually my mentor when I left my company. Mm. So how, I did, said to her, how you... did the two of you meet? She is a script editor and I was working for a film company and she came in to just do a bit of reading for us. And she's incredibly experienced and... Um, knows everything about everything and is kind of brilliant and um, terrifyingly intelligent. And so I asked her if she would kind of take me under her wing and teach me about script editing. And she said, you're not a script editor, you're a producer. And <laughs> and um, she's just been absolutely fantastic for me. And in a, in a, I think the thing about mentoring for a producer, I think it's probably the same for writers and directors. And I think it's part of the reason why with writers, um, we have a lot of playwrights because they have support networks. Yeah. I think if you don't have that, then really, if you're on your own as a producer or a writer or a director, no one ever has your back. You're mm. like, no one has my back here. I'm just just me kind of trying to figure this out on my own. And if you've got someone who can be a mentor to you who's like, I always got your back, it's incredibly powerful. It is, and it's really like, I just for me, it's peer-to-peer -peer mentorship like that I've worked with a lot. I mean, there's loads of people now that I've built up a network where I can kind of email, even like the BFI, like I can email Lizzie here and be like, could you help me? Where should I go? And she's really, really helpful. And even Ben is really, really helpful. And so that's Lizzie and, Frankie and, and Ben. Lizzie Frankie and Ben. And also Amanda Neville. Like, once she said to me recently, she's like, do you want to meet for coffee? And I was just like, Amanda wants to meet. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on? And it was just like, but it's that thing of going like, and, and we just had a really nice conversation, but it was just, Having that, like knowing that someone's in the industry that, that has all this wealth of experience that you can ask questions. And it's not about going, oh, read my script, read my script, read my script. But it's about knowing that someone's going to give you some insight into the industry. And it's, it's having that as a safety net. Having that is what pushes you through and you go, okay, I've got someone who I can relate to in this industry. So you're not alone. So it doesn't feel so alien and it doesn't feel like you're just here by yourself. As you say, it's not necessarily about their connection, what they have, but can be your soundboard that can be like, listen, we're all in and it. Just and it's like, it I, do think, I think you're right, the peer-to-peer -peer thing, but I think also like, you know, some of the people I've mentored have taught me more than I've taught them. You know, like, <laughs> it's just about going, there are relationships you can have in this industry that, you know, there's no monetary transaction yeah. and you never work, you'll probably never work together, but they're some of the most powerful relationships you have because actually you need to trust people and support each other and... And I think that's, I think that is a real progression I see in the industry. That's something to think about for anybody who is looking to find themselves as a mentor is to try not to think about it as transactional. Mm. And it's not when you're, I mean, in my experience of kind of approaching people for advice or kind of 
trying to uh, you know get a different perspective on something it's not about what you can offer them and what they can offer you and and people can smell that a mile off yeah you can you know when someone's emailing you going i want you to like especially actors you go can you mentally like you know that they're going i want to be in your next thing and you're just like oh. but like yeah when you meet people that have a genuine heart or or that like for me i always kind of i'm always interested in people who have a story who've kind of found things hard because i think that i relate to that so like whenever I most of the people that I'm that's in my network we've all struggled if that sounds crazy what about you Caroline have you had experiences it's interesting because actually I the first few years when I was working in the industry I came across where were you working so I started as an actress and I started then working um, production on a couple of features and then for a company actually where this doesn't apply but on the first couple of features I worked with it sort of surprised me that there wasn't more of a feeling of, oh, you're a new girl in the industry and you don't know what the hell you're doing and I'm going to give you a little bit of extra time. And obviously, you know, it's low budget feature making. People don't have time to be like that. But it surprised me the level of which it was the other way. I, I would say I've, I don't, I've actually just got a mentor at NFTS who's a producer um, and that's literally just started, but she's been great so far. But it's been more like random people, like for example, one of my tutors at school who is just on the same wavelength and she's super experienced, she's a script editor as well. And she's just really encouraging. But I would say that has not been there for me. I've not had a mentor that, then you're just kind of like, oh God, how do I do this? You know, that's really refreshing to hear, to know that, you know, Two people who've been very successful and who've been recognised by, you know, places like BAFTA, that maybe it wasn't this kind of like determined scheming thing where you kind of always knew what you were going to do and actually you were able to make something and then kind of find the opportunity there. But even, can you I just didn't really to... have to fight your corner to direct your own short, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah. Well, it was interesting it's... because I had a lot of people say to me, you know, are you sure, are you sure you want to direct this? Like, you never directed and... You know, like it's it's like quite a big deal, and uh, and I was like, if, so I was a guy, if I was a guy, though, I just I just know I wouldn't have been asked that question. I just wouldn't have been. So but how can you also took? I mean, sorry, not to throw you on the spot. You talk about the first time we met, and you talked, and I asked you about producing. You, oh so basically, it's like under the bus material. But I asked you. You said, "Oh, I'm, I was an actress," and then I was like, oh. "Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable." That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I want to get into it. I was like, why did you choose producing? Oh, yeah. I mean, I think it's just like, you just think, oh, well, I'm not going to be able to do those really cool, fun things. I'm just, I'm going to have to go and do the boring bit because... (laughs) No, I don't mean that. I don't mean that. No, no, no. I I don't mean this. When you're producing short films, you, you're not you're not just a producer. You're like a location manager, casting director. Uh, you're photocopying. You're like you're doing all the stuff that's like basically no one else wants to do because mainly you're making it with other actors who are not interested in that stuff. But I think I'm not sure that I am supposed to be a producer. But I definitely it, I started on that road because I felt like oh well, it will just be another thing that's too competitive and too difficult to achieve and. I'd better do the thing that I that seems more achievable. And I don't know why I felt like that, but I feel like it's because I was a woman that I felt like that. But that for me, like that's an important thing to address because I don't like I guess in terms of like networking stuff, it's shorts and you're talking about entry entry points. And I I think not that you can't fix everything at once, but I think it's the type of stuff like when Caroline said that to me, that's the type of stuff that makes me feel like the righteous anger that I don't think we should have to feel, feel like that. that. Yeah. That you think, oh, actually, that's really, and I think that comes back to something that you were saying earlier about about the shop front window. That I know that it was amazing that you and Nina both took home the Baftas for shots. Like boom, yes. Yeah. Like how many young women will have seen that? Yeah. See so you would have been like, right, I can be a director. Like that in and of itself mm. is so powerful. It's more than any. I can go and do lots of pounds. Like oh, you can be. A I mean, that's people know that it's like it's in FAQs and guidelines. But seeing somebody actually do it is so much more powerful than yeah. me doing a tweet being like. Oh, you can you can also be a right like they see Bonner, they're like, right, I can do that, see Bonner, yeah. and they can actually do it. And I think no it's about uh, everyone wants to be a producer, but it's really hard. But it's about platforming and, and like showing people that actually you can do it. I would I would say for any women who've been um attracted by the title which we haven't quite decided yet of this podcast and <laughs> are listening into this and are interested in becoming part of the film industry, I think this is the best possible time to try. Yeah, I agree. The last year has been a year of this just coming up all the time and coming up in, you know, the BFI Roundtable, which was, you know, a a variety of producers, but a lot of kind of men, white men in their 50s, who I thought might not be completely on the kind... They got so completely passionate about the idea of kind of more diverse voices. Everyone is talking about it. Everyone is interested in it. The whole narrative has changed. And whereas when I entered the film industry about 15 years ago... I couldn't point to one female producer who I wanted to be like or who I felt was supporting other female producers. I would say my generation has a massive support mm. network of women and men who are all passionately kind of advocates for female filmmakers. Yeah. And it's definitely not the industry it was 10 years ago. And I think we are, I mean, I really hope we're on the cusp of a big change. And I think it's the best time to be getting into the industry. So, like, definitely 
sending them shorts. I think it's interesting that you say that now is a time where it's kind of men and women feeling like this is relevant and current and important. Um, but you've all described your mentors as women. And I wonder if you... Oh, no, no, so no, I, I just, yeah, yeah. Sorry, my f- boss before that was Ben Roberts, and he is the number one, like, champion of... Um, and I'm not even just saying that. Like, he... No, 100%. I is so passionate is, about yeah. it. And actually, having my first... You know, working for him was my first job in the industry. And, you know, he gets the righteous anger as well. Like, he cares about it. Like, because some people are like, oh, yeah, you just, you know... And I'm like, no, actually, he literally does really care about it. And so when I have my rants about, like, but you you know what I mean? Like, I go to him and I have the sound off rants that I can. And he's definitely... So I, I definitely, in terms of the rest of the team as well, I feel like the, our team's predominantly women, actually, but the two men that are on our team, also really passionate. David Siegel-Hamilton, yeah. Big so, feminist. Yeah, yeah big, big feminist. feminist. Yeah. I just wonder if you feel like your relationships with any male mentors that you have are slightly different than the ones that you might have with female mentors, and whether you feel like there's something specific that women can kind of get from each other. You want to relate, you want to have someone that you can relate to that you don't have to explain stuff to. So you don't want to have to say to a man or whoever, I mean, not that I don't have male mentors or whatever, but it's that idea of going, oh my God, I didn't get this job because, you know, you don't want to have to explain that and someone go, oh no, no, it's not because of race. Oh no, 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 it's not because you're a woman. And you'll know, and it is, it really is. A lot of, sometimes in this industry, you get rejected based on your gender, based on your based on who you, you know, those things are not about work. And it's not always about whether or not your script is good enough or whatever. It's to do with the fact that you've got black characters in it and you've got women in it. And people go, I don't, I don't get it. And people say, this won't sell. This won't sell, yeah, or this won't work. And so sometimes having another female who understands that these are issues and barriers that we, we face makes it easier because then you don't have to explain that to somebody. You don't have to kind of go, oh my God, I'm so annoyed because of this. It, it helps. I, I personally, and it's that thing that you said, you having someone who you can kind of measure yourself up against is is good. It's nice to have that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think also they get it in a yeah, way. Yeah, it's just getting because, it. I mean, especially like women who are a generation above me, you know, they had, they had it so much worse than I've got it, you know, and so I think they, they I, I found that, that sometimes made them tougher and like harder to maybe connect with on a way of like actually having a chat with them like so what do I do now but I think they get it in a way that yeah like you're saying you would have to kind of it's impossible you don't have to explain that part of yeah, it like there's yeah, other yeah. frustrations and there's ways that they can help you that can give you advice but you don't need to go it's because I'm a woman that I didn't get this they you know most of the mentors that I have it's going okay we understand this is a problem where are the solutions and how do we you know what do we do to make it better I think persistence is really important yeah. when you're trying to seek out mentorship and are kind of feeling like you are entitled to be in the same world as them, mm-hmm. but not entitled to their time. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a really fine line to, to try and negotiate. Yes. Um, and, you know, there's a way of being persistent and enthusiastic without pissing people off. Yeah, of course. We can, yeah, do, yeah, we yeah. can do a separate podcast on, yeah. on etiquette. Yeah, but um, I don't and I also, like, if people say no, that, then, yeah. you know, it's just, it's not anything about you. It's just, yeah. they're, they're just probably busy. But that's also the thing, I think, 
me as a woman is that sometimes it's like the, that fear of rejection mm. but actually it's about so many things I mean the other day I I just out of the blue I don't have a relationship I emailed Faye Ward and was like please can I have a coffee with you and just sat there and I left and it was just life-giving it was just brilliant I was like I just wish everyone was here to hear but if she'd said no I would have been like okay well she's really busy and mm-hmm. that's how it is yeah but, but, you but, but you've been in this industry to know that though because I think sometimes when people are just getting into it that no is so crucial that no is like Crushing. I'm rejecting you you're not fit for this like this is this is not the world for you and I think that people need to understand that it is it's just like that when I have meetings like I bring young people here for them to just see the building because they don't even know that I mean it's bad they don't know this place exists yeah. and they don't know that you can just walk in here and sit down and and you know and just use the wi-fi yeah, yeah use the, the wi-fi well even yeah. if people <laughs> don't have like heard of the yeah. bfi they might not know that they can use the space yeah. and there's always interesting people around mm. i wonder um if you can think of or could recommend some sort of networks that are particularly useful for women um because i guess you know there is this idea that the film industry is still very much a boys club and I don't think like the only useful places to go are gender specific. Of course, you know, um, female creatives should try to go to a range of things, just like men should as well. Um, although they shouldn't come to the women's things. Um, <laughs> I don't think I don't think it's about creating events that are just specific for, for females. I think that it should just be that we should women out there should feel comfortable in these spaces like what we just said you know the idea is that the um, bfi networks is for everybody so everyone should try and apply and that should just be it it shouldn't be but it's not it is it it's not it's not because like as even as much as i talk about the young writers program at the royal court Specifically, the one that I joined was the Black Critical Mass program. Now I look at it, the title's kind of scary in itself. <laughs> critical Mass, um, but like, but it was like it was something but specific to sometimes black positive and... things come out of like, like identity focused things. So like Flair, yeah, the Flair mentorship scheme, like the the people on, who are the Flair mentees, they're next level. And I think okay, they went for it because they were like okay, it's based on something. Mm that they kind of identified with. So I think sometimes that if that's a way in or if that's a way that you feel confident, like if somebody said, right, there's something here which is specific. I know some people are like, I don't want to do something that's specifically BAME. But for some people that's like, actually... Oh, I always go, yeah. yeah. But that's what I mean. It's, Get me it's in. a double-edged sword because it's going... <laughs> Because when you when it's so specific to you, you do feel more comfortable and you go, oh, I can apply for that and I am wanted. So if it is that you're going, we're going to create a network for women, you know, you will go, oh, this is for me. They're speaking directly to me. But then at the same time, it's just sometimes you just want those titles to just go after a while, isn't it? You just Yeah, don't... but I think, I mean, I think while it's not equal, I mean, you know, we I'm need someone it, of who's... Course. But I'm yeah. someone who's particularly interested in female directors, so... Yeah. I would be much more likely to go and meet the directors on something like Rise, which is all female directors, and I would, if someone else called me and said, oh, we're just running a new talent scheme for anyone, mm-hmm. I'd be like, well, I'll choose the female one, because I'm more interested in those young female yeah. voices who I haven't, which I haven't heard before. Yeah. I kind of want to know um, if you ever f- have felt like you had to gender neutralise anything that you were making, that maybe you were making something about women, and you know that wasn't going to be as easy to get made as something that wasn't... I feel the opposite to be honest I feel like um, I I, I think at this point in the industry if we haven't accepted that number one like we have to diversify the stories we're telling otherwise the film industry is going to die 
because we're never going to kind of reach out to enough audiences and we're just going to end up telling the same story again and again and again until we just explode into our own kind of bubble. Um, if we haven't accepted that, and if we haven't accepted that, not in terms of necessarily kind of quotas, but we have to redress the balance of history by making more of an effort. Like, you can't just be neutral about it. Like, those are two things just from the baseline of what we have to accept in the industry at the moment. And, I mean, my experience personally is, like, we made a film called The Descent, which was all females going into a cave and getting eaten by monsters. And I remember the director coming and pitching that to us, and he said, um, is it a problem that they're all women? And we we read the treatment, and it was um it was men and women in the treatment. And we were like, it's, it's all women. And he went, yeah, I just decided in the lift over here that I really want to be all women. We were like, definitely 100%. That's an absolutely brilliant idea. It was the thing that made that film yeah, a brilliant horror yeah. film, that they were all women, and that we worked really hard to make them not the crappiest kind of, you know, horror <laughs> kind of victims. Not horror bimbos. <laughs> yeah, you know, that we tried to kind of cast people who were more real and tried to make it a, a quite authentic film. I mean, within the boundaries of a horror genre. And that was the thing that people loved about it, you know. And so, like, that's a horror film. And But I sort of feel like... It's a selling point. Like, you know, if you look at, um, I'm, I'm going to totally humiliate myself now by forgetting which studio it is that's done incredibly well with, like, Pitch Perfect. And Which one is it? Is it, um, I want to say Warner Brothers, no, but I feel no. like it's not. I think it's Universal. Is it Sony? No, it's no. not Sony. None of us know. Lose Googling. And Lose none Googling. of us have our phones. Lose Googling, is it? Oh, yeah, we're not. Can we just to... cut this bit out of the yeah. podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Lose Googling. But anyway, whoever it is who's someone like Fast and the Furious, Pitch Perfect, you know, and they've, they've like nailed it in terms of all the American studios yeah. over the last kind of 10 years. And they've done it by reaching out to Universal. audiences, universe, reaching out to audiences that no one else is serving. So, you know, Fast and the Furious is, is the only kind of you know, sort of diverse tentpole movie that has gone on to like seven, is it seven? Seven, seven yeah, eight, yeah, eight. Yeah, yeah. No, are they on eight now? They're shooting they're eight, eight, eight now. Pitch Perfect is all women. I mean, there's like three or four things they've done, which have all been like the movie that all the other studios would have gone, oh no, that's kind of niche, that's not a niche film for one audience. And they've done them and they have killed it over mm. the last 10 years. But that's and that's their thing. And when you when they're asked about it, they're like, we're not doing this because we're like, oh, we're really into diversity. We're doing it because we know this is commercial because yeah. these are brilliant stories that people want to see. Yeah, but that's the and thing. I mean, and do you think there's a there's a kind of the convergence of like TV and film and kind of, you know, Netflix and Amazon and stuff like that? Do you think that's created more opportunities for female filmmakers? Because someone like um uh, Jules, Jules Holloway, you know, he did a, um, I did Afternoon to Light at Sundance, which one, but then kind of no one was really doing anything with her in film, then she did Transparent, and now she can do anything she wants. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that was her voice, an absolutely kind of unfiltered her voice, her thing. Like, I think that that's what's great about filmmaking now is that it does feel like an industry where people can just go and do stuff and you don't have to wait around. And with places like Netflix and, and Amazon um, Prime and stuff like that, it is about going, well, if the big wigs are gonna ignore it, there are these platforms that are not gonna ignore these things. And you, so you can write what you wanna write. But I also, I just wanted to add the point was, when I first started writing, I didn't think about gender. I just kind of just went, like with, even with my first feature film, the two boys in it, it's two boy leads, but it's about my family and about my situation. And it was about my sister's uh, played that well they were the African kids who I um who I kind of wrote the, the story about but I made it about boys and I don't know why it was just a subconscious thing it was going oh okay they have to be boys because they're leads mm. and that was it and the more that I'm in this industry the more I'm like I'm writing more female stuff and and my lead's gonna be a woman and I'm just kind of like Whenever I go to meetings and people go, oh, do you want to change? I'm like, no, I'm not changing. Do they that. do that? No. Do they yeah, do a lot that? of the times. Really? Yeah. Not, you know, it depends where you go. Like places like 
here, the BFI, they're more like, it's the champion, so they kind of just go, yeah, that sounds like a great idea, do it. Whereas like other places, you get commissioners who go, oh, we need, my favorite line that I always get is that whenever I get rejected with stuff is going, we need a way in for the majority to get this story. And you're going, okay, what does that mean? <laughs> oh, well, you know, um, so you've got black lead and they're women. Um, we, 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 need, we need a way that, you know, the average person can understand the story. And whenever I get meetings like that, I'm just like, oh, you're just not really the person that I need to be working with. Like, I'm not changing it for anybody. But I feel like I've now made a point to go, every time I write, what are the women doing in this story? And how important and significant are they in my stories? And what am I saying? And I think a lot more about the roles I write for women than I've ever done in my whole entire life. And I think that how can I make them as three-dimensional as possible without it being stereotypical, without it being... Mm-hmm. I, do, I, mean, I, I, do, I think it's like... So Gina Davis is obviously saying, like, can you just look at your look at your main male character and give them a female name. Yeah. I think it's more yeah. complicated than that. You can't just of course you can't, give yeah. a man a woman's name. But I, I, I do the opposite thing. I read scripts quite a lot and go, oh, this is kind of a good story, but I feel like, but what if you made the main character a woman? Mm-hmm. Then it's a totally, it's suddenly, yeah. suddenly a fresh story. It's like, it's seen as 80% yeah. of this kind of film that you think you've seen before, but mm-hmm. it's fresh because we haven't seen that perspective. So I feel exactly the opposite. I feel like it, it's, for me, it's much more exciting and I feel like much more able to sell that to people because I'm like, look, Structurally, this is the film you've seen before. And genre-wise, yeah. this is the film you've seen before. But this character, you haven't seen before. Mm-hmm. So it's more interesting, you know. Of course, the way um, you've all been able to, uh, you know, create something successful in, in each of your own rights is having that sort of self-belief in your own ideas and having that conviction behind what you're going to do, whether it's going to be to put a woman in a role or whether it's going to be like, no, I'm going to have this black character or whether for you um, it's going to be I'm going to make this film and I'm going to direct my own script. All of those things require balls, uh, labels maybe Um, and I I kind of wonder as something that we could kind of close on how you summon that kind of self-confidence in times of stress and doubt and kind of climate of less opportunity and how you don't let that stop you from doing things. I think you need really good people around you like I've you know you need you need a really great producer if you're if you're a director I think I'm at an FCS at the moment and something that gets this phrase keeps kind of being bandied around about emotional support and I think that's actually actually not quite true but there is definitely an element with it with a director like I really needed somebody who I really trusted to work with because that makes all the difference. If you're going forward and you really feel like you're on the same page as somebody and they get all your worries and they get all the reasons why you have to do it this way, then you're gonna be fine. You're not gonna have so many moments of wobbling. Um, but also like, I worked with a cinematographer as well who was, we had such a close relationship and that again is like, you know, you, you've just gotta have people who you trust and people who are gonna support you. And if you have that, I really think, you know, I think you can do anything. Like, I would say to people out there, you just have to do it. Like, you have to be a part of this conversation. You have to, like, for women filmmakers, you have to want to be a part of it. Because I always say that, actually, the more of us in it, the less the fight is, the less the battle, the easier it is going to be for each and every one of us. Like, I always find people always go, uh, well, there's this other writer who's doing this stuff now. So that means that, you know, there's no opportunity for you. Or that, or that they go, oh, well, one person's doing it, so there's no space. You're like, no, like, there's space for everybody. Yeah, I think, um, I would agree, like, I think you need the support. 
network around you. I think you need people who believe in you to bolster you when you don't believe in yourself. Yeah. Uh, but I think another, I think two things I would say. One is that the film industry is really difficult, but that also means that <coughs> it's really difficult to, to do things perfectly. And, you know, a male mentor of mine, Steve Clark Paul, who's done like a gazillion films, um, once said to me, he's like, every single time I start producing a film, I realise that I don't know anything. <laughs> and that, for me, was incredibly reassuring. I was like, I never, need, I never need to know everything. I never need to feel like I know everything. Yeah. And then secondly, I think it's really important to remember that there are probably some people who go into the film industry because they think they're going to be millionaires and they'll be really powerful. But generally, they move to LA quite quickly. Yeah. Um, and the people who are doing the film industry here are doing it because they really love films and they really love telling stories. And that's what we're doing. And like, we've got to keep that joy alive and yeah. not be too put off by the difficulties because actually, it's it's exciting. And if you get a gang around you and you go, we're going to do this and mm. we're going to actually yeah, it's break like the a challenge, isn't it? It's like doing do it. tough mother or something. Love telling stories. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. a real um, thing in itself. Yeah. No matter what, I mean, I've been, I've been doing this for like 10 years now. And like, I always say to people, like, I'm still learning. It's that mm. thing of, it's still a learning curve. It's still, I don't know everything. And I'm still not going to know everything in another 10 years time. Because also, my perspective on the world is going to change. Mm. So what I write about is going to change. And I think we need to understand that you don't need to be perfect to get into mm. this industry. And I think that that's an important thing for people in terms of applying knowing that your script doesn't have to be perfect. Yeah. yeah. You know, really your film doesn't, doesn't have to be perfect. And what people are interested in is not your competence. They're no, not interested not. in you being able to manage everyone on your set. They're not interested. I mean, you know, they obviously want you to come in on budget and on schedule, but what they really but want you is for that, you to say you? something that is yours, mm. that is yeah. to you, that is your voice. Yeah. And that is the thing that you need to show people. Yeah. So summon your confidence and don't worry about being perfect and submit to the post room because who knows what will happen. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Thank you all. We go back to eating cakes. <laughs> <laughs> Big thanks to producer Marie, the BFI Network team, and Ivana McKinnon, Bolara Baje, Simran Hans, Caroline Bartley. There's more where this came from on the BFI Network site.